appreciate all the times that you've stood with us and agreed with us, especially in dry times. When you're a farmer, there are dry times. You know, you might not go through good times and bad times. You go through dry times sometimes. And it's been great to have a pastor that stands. And, and Amazing Grace, we love you. Mark and I love you. We pray for you. We um, appreciate how you have been faithful, that you're a faithful body. And I, I want to start with, when I'm looking at Adam, when we walked in today, I don't know if you noticed it. Oh, yeah. There was a miracle here. He's about this high. He, Isaac is back. Isaac's been gone 155 days, right? And Adam has believed God, and it would have been easy not to come to church. When, when all this turn of events happened and, and, and Adam was accused of stuff that wasn't true and Isaac exited and he's back. Come on. He's back. Amen. God is a good God and God is a faithful God and others in here need to realize that God, God knows our hearts and he, he is faithful and he will be faithful. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you hit any of Mark's sermon or not, but you did a really good job <laughs> with mine. <laughs> and that is wonderful it, because you gave the introduction and we'll go right on into the message. Praise God, it's not about becoming rich for the sake of rich. It's becoming prosperous because there is a world. Jesus loves us and we're all his favorite. And I don't know how that works that each one of us is the father's favorite. But he's not just about us four and no more. It's a world out there to reach. And so that's really, really the point that we need to get. And we'll be looking at goals. Without a vision, the people perish. Write the vision. Make it plain. So they that readeth it can run with it. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Mark speaking on finances. It will be about finances, but that's not probably all that's in our vision, right? Right. right? When we write our goals, usually we don't just write, oh, you know, these are our financial goals. Our little financial goals are really important. A lot of us at the start of the year also wrote, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to grow spiritually. We had all these things. And when Mark put the challenge out there, $100 challenge, you know, write your goals, and a lot of people turned them in, a lot of people showed us what their goals were, they were those kind of goals, you know, that, that these are the things we want to accomplish this year. So what I want to take is from there and encourage those of us that haven't written goals, and this is the right time for me to be here because we are just past day 17, the give up on goal day, right? right? right. But the, really the difference on a resolution and a vision is a vision is you, you set the vision and you make it clear so you can read it and run with it. Yes. A resolution is simply, I, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to save money with no idea how that's going to happen. Okay? So when we have a vision, then there's also a plan with that vision. Right. So that's where we're going today. And just to reiterate one thought, when we think about financial goals, we have been sold a lie Come on. that says to be poor is to be godly. And we've had in church history a poverty vow. That is not scriptural. If you go through the Old Testament or the New, you're not going to find it there. If you twist scripture, you can make it say it, but you can twist scripture to make it say about anything. You want to always discern the word with other word. 
You don't take one piece, half piece of scripture and run. You always take here, 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 here. Yep, this is what it adds up to, not taking it a little piecemeal. Um, no Jew you've ever met will take a poverty vow. Okay? <laughs> if you look back, when God came to Abraham and they cut covenant together, God did not say, now from this day forward, you'll be poor. He said, I will make you rich. And he did. When you read it, Abraham was rich. What was he rich in? Everything. He was rich. When you look at Isaac, he was rich. You look at Solomon. You know, they talk about the blessing of Abraham. We, then eventually we get to King David. We have Solomon. You read about what Solomon had. You compare it to the riches that you know of now. We don't hold a candle. Solomon was rich, rich, rich. When they were building the temple, they finally said, stop, quit bringing us gold, quit bringing us silver, keep your rubies, keep your diamonds. We don't have room to take it anymore. What ministry do you know that's saying stop? I don't know of any. I don't know of any. Each ministry, there's tremendous need for the ministry. To, for the churches, for the body of Christ, to get money to get the work done of the ministry. So, yeah, and you know, if we go New Testament, we will hear Jesus was poor. Poor men do not have treasurers. Right. Jesus had a treasurer who was stealing from him. He still had the um, Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association. They went all over the area, and they were they were teaching, they were healing, and all along the way, he had at least 13 men with him. Well, 12 men plus him, 13. Anybody fed 13 men lately? I have. When we have harvest time, we have guys in the field, I'm taking dinner to the field, and you don't do it for nothing, even if you serve hot dogs. You know, so, you know, and I try and avoid, you know, hot dogs and, and do other stuff that might be a little more healthy, but it costs money, and Jesus had money. It says, you know, at one point about the, the you know, follow me, I don't, he was out in the road, and at that point, they were staying out and about. It also, in some places, if you read it, and they were at the house, it is interpreted in, in some literature that was his house, that he had house by the sea, which would be a nice place to have a house. What I want to present to you is not a get-rich-quick scheme. If anybody comes to you with a quick get-rich-quick scheme, run. Right. If somebody says, if you send, you know, so much money in this offering, you're going to be rich, and you've got to do it within the next 60 minutes, Come on. I would again run. Right. Because God, I've never had God really pressure me on that. There's been times I've been impressed to give. And I've known I'm supposed to give, but he's always given me the time to really, really think about that and not, you know, proverbial gun to your head, you have to give and you have to give right now or you're going to lose your blessing. That's not the God that I serve. Amen. Okay? It's not a sit on the couch eating your potato chips, watching the game, which I don't object to watching the game. You know, it's not watching Netflix and hanging out on social media and praying one prayer and suddenly God drops money out of the sky. One, he is not a counterfeiter. And two, he's going to have you put your hands to things.
Okay? In Deuteronomy 28.8, it says, everything you put your hands to shall prosper. When you're walking in the blessing, when you're following his word, everything you put your hands to, that implies putting your hands to something. Yeah. That implies work. Um, and so it's really important that, that, we're, that we're following what he would have to say to us. It looks a lot like praying for direction and then acting on what we're perceiving he's giving us for direction. Even though we don't, we don't know the end from the beginning, he does, he says he's going to give us line upon line and precept upon precept. So when we get that impression, it's like, God, it looks to me, I feel like I'm being led to do this, so I'm going to start to do this. And if we're off, he will stop us. But I want you to think about, have you ever tried to steer your car when it's parked? <laughs> Does it steer very well? You know, you try and you can reef on that wheel and trying to turn the wheels, it doesn't go. But if we just get rolling and we turn the wheel, it will turn. So if we're going towards something, God can steer us. If we're sitting there parked saying, you know, I don't know, I want to know more than that. You gave me this much, that doesn't sound like anything. Go toward that little bit and God then can start to guide us. So it looks like direction that we receive so that we can move toward, the, toward what he has for us. It looks like consistency. I married the most consistent man on the planet. He's yeah. gone. He's mine. But yeah, being consistent every day, get up and read your word. Every day, you know, do the doing. Every day, the consistency. It says to cast your bread upon the water, and over time, it's going to return on every wave. Well, implied, you're going to cast it, you're going to cast it, you're going to cast it, and there's a time lag, but then the waves start coming back. And they do start coming back. But it's a consistency. It's a lifestyle. It's not a quick fix. It's not, you know, I gave this a whole 17 days. Now I'm done. It's praying for knowledge of witty inventions and doing them. Jeff and Olivia, a witty invention. And if Olivia was here, I could brag on her. This came from Olivia and Jeff's store. So, you know, it, I don't know that I was the customer they had in mind for, you know, my age group, but, but LaFleur and Mount Pleasant put a plug in. They had really, really cool stuff. And that was knowledge of witty invention. They didn't know how to start a store, but they did it. It's Mark and Ben on our farm, you know, getting some idea and doing it and being blessed from it. But between the doing it and the being blessed, there's time and there's consistency. Everyone I've seen happen on our farm was a lot of work. Right. A lot of work. Right. It was getting up, at, being out there at 7 in the morning and sometimes coming in at 11 o'clock at night. It was not sit on the couch eating potato chips and God bless us that. Everything you put your hands to will prosper. So when we think about it, goals. Goals. What are we believing for? If we don't know what we're believing for, we're not believing. Right. You know, if we're coming to the altar, oh, God, bless me. I want a blessing. A blessing about what? What are you believing for? What are you going to have people agree with you on? So our goals, where are we headed? And honestly, goals start with prayer. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And every one of us sitting in this room can write goals, no matter how old, how young. Where are we headed? <coughs> So goals, we, we ask the Lord and we, we start to write them down. And this is how we did it. And I don't know anybody else is going to want to do it this big. 
Mark and I were at a conference. It was with the group he went to China with. It was a three-year program on, on ag, and, and it, was a, it was one that the spouses could be at the meeting, and there was a, a trainer who was not a Christian trainer. At least she may have been Christian, but she didn't bring it down like this was a Christian meeting. But the deal was, she said, dream your biggest dream. What is it you want to do in your business? Because it was all agriculture or ag business. How do you want your business to grow? When you retire, where do you want to be at? And she said, I'm going to pick a number. I'm going to say 25 years. I'm going to send you back to your rooms. We were staying in a nice resort. Go back to your rooms. And I think it was from like 9.30 in the morning until noon, we were to stay in our room with our spouse and hammer out in 25 years, this is where our business is going to be. For us, it's, you know, how much land are we going to own? How much land are we going to lease or rent? What kinds of equipment will we have? And how much of it? And will we have livestock? Will we not have? And we wrote it all out, and we spent three hours. And it was like, it was a long time. And we came to stalemates, and then we'd stop, and we'd revisit it. We finally had it. So it's like, this looks like where we want to be in 25 years. And at that point, I think we were about late 20s. We were probably 28, 29, kind of early in on the business. And so we did that. And we came back, thought we were done. And she said, oh, no, you're not done. Because if you're going to be here in 25 years, where do you have to be in 20 years so that in just five more years you can make it? And her assignment then was, you're going to go back to your room and you're going to figure out where you're going to be in 20 years. You're going to figure out where you're going to be in 15 years. Where are you going to be in 10 years? Where are you going to be in five years? And then the hard one, what do you do in this year? Those were the action steps. But we, we back-chained it, it's what it's called. We started, and in increments went down. And then in that next year, what did we need to do in that year? And we wrote it out. Honestly, it shoots a lot higher than sometimes we'll start right here, and we'll go up one step at a time. But it ends up we we kind of cap out about here. But when we start up here and we're going down, it stretches us. And over the years since then, we have shifted. We've made changes along the way, but we have pretty much shot for those goals we had. And, and um, then we came to a point we wrote goals for the next 25 years. Right. Because you don't stop. But you pray first, you write goals, and we saw the power of that. I don't know if other people were with us, hung on to it, but we saw the power of it. We did it one year just for the business. And then it hit. We are not just business people. We are, but there's a lot more. We also are young parents. What's our vision for our kids? You know, and what's our vision? We live in this house. What's our vision for this old farmhouse? And we started mapping it out. Well, in, if, in 25 years, they were like two and four, so they'll be finished in college or maybe finished. So, you know, how are we going to pay for that education? How are we going to do these things? So we start mapping it out. We're living in this house. It needs windows. It needs siding. It needs some remodeling. What do we, we want it done at the end of 25 years. What do we have to do this year? You know, so you don't side it before you put windows in. That'd be a major mistake. You know, you map it out so you do it right. But you get those goals and you bring it down to your action steps. I, a wise woman put on a Facebook post named Sharon, the distance between your dreams and reality is called action. Yes. 
Without the action steps, our house would be the same, our farm would be as small as it was when we started out. Who knows if our kids would have gone to college, all that. We needed, we needed the vision, we needed to write it plain, that we who were reading it and two boys who were reading it could run with it. Yes. And they have, and it's been a blessing. So when we think about goals that we saw come to us, I just want us to think about next steps. And then I'm gonna have you develop them, and I'm, I'm going to give you another thing to think about really doing that will be serious homework. The next steps are, you know, de deciding next step is not hard, takes a little discernment. Doing next step is harder. And I'm going to have you also look at some another step of finding your next step in scripture. But okay, a lot of people said I want to pay off my house. That is an awesome goal. But if we just write it down, well, well, if we just have it, that's one thing. Writing it down, you've taken a major step because people that write their goals have a much higher propensity of getting those goals done. So just writing them, really important. But how are you going to pay off your house? What's going to change between last year and this year? So if we think action steps for pay off house, one, every time you make a payment, add to it. That you don't just pay what you owe. Right. Add to it and put the note on this extra goes on the principal. If you can knock the principal down, you're knocking the interest down. So every payment, put extra on it. Believe God for extra money to come in. So when that money comes in, it's not, woohoo, we got extra money, let's go out. And I'm not saying never go out. We need to go out as, as couples, as families. We need to take vacations with our children when they're young because if, if we don't, they're going to be grown and gone in a blink of an eye. Come on. So we need to celebrate that. But, but when money comes in and it's like, this is really extra, pay it on that. If that's your goal, pay it on that house, on the principal. We're always putting it on the principal so it bring, bringing down the interest. If, if interest rates drop, we, we look at renegotiating so that we can get out from under some of the big interest. So, so you know, think, and other things to think about. Extra money coming in is one thing, Money going out, just going through the holes in the bag or whatever is quite something else. A scripture says in, in Song of Solomon 2.15, catch the little fox who spoiled the vine. So what are the little foxes in your life? What's eating up money that you don't even think about? I, I teach in an auditorium at Central, right outside my auditorium, my auditorium, the auditorium. <laughs> I am in there a lot, a lot, which is such a blessing. But I, I'm there right outside the door is something called Einstein bagels. And they have really, really good bagels, and they have flavored coffees and all this stuff. I see students walk in every day carrying one of those flavored coffees. Right. Probably around five bucks worth of flavored coffee. Right. If you do that every day, you times it out. 25 bucks a week on coffee, $100 a month. Many of the students are living in a dorm that has free coffee. And all these little flavors you can put in yourself. If one invests in $5, $10 mug that will keep things hot, and when you get breakfast and go through and fill said mug with coffee, you probably could prevent spending an extra $100 a month student loan money. And it's not students that do that. 
it's instructors that do that. It's us walking into work, going right to the, the machine or on our way by, going by Bixby or, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying we can't ever go get caught, but if, we're, if we have a goal right. and fair. we need money in our budget, that's a money eater. All those little things, you know, buying pop at work and the pop at work is two bucks to put in the, the, car, the machine. If we don't spend that $2 a day, you know, that's another $40 a month. Right. And, it, you know, best to not drink the pop. I used to love it, but it's not good for us at all. Come on. But if we have to have it, buy it at the grocery store when it's on sale and carry that in, that's going to be like 40 cents instead of $2. Right. So, so all that put on the loan and get the thing paid off. And think about life if you don't have a house loan. Cool. Take that money to do other things that can go into the kingdom, can go into the lifestyle, but you'll have that house paid for, and it's yours. And there's something that feels really good about, this is my house. Yes. It's not the bank's house. It's not the people I'm on a land contract with house. It's my house. It's important that we do that. Um, Another one, yeah, I read, you know, cut food budgets. How do we cut food budgets? Don't go out to eat as much. I love going out to eat. But, but what if we go out once a week instead of twice or once every two weeks instead of every week? Whatever, cut back a little bit. Anytime we go out to eat, we always spend more money than if I cook. Anytime. Um, other things to think about. If I want to cut my food budget. This takes a little time, but once you get into it, not too much, make a menu. Make a menu, and then realize what you've got. First, check your refrigerator. If I don't use this, it's going to be done. So maybe I should eat that instead of buy something else. So check your refrigerator, check your cupboards, make a menu. Buy the things you need to go with your menu so you have them, because every time we walk in a grocery store, we, we pick up something that was not on a list, and we spend more money. So if we're limiting how often we go in and shop, and we're buying things on our menu, it's going to save money. And it, it works, and it works every time. Growing spiritually, we read, I'm going to grow spiritually. So I want us to think about, and I need some shout-outs about, okay, your goal, my goal is, I'm going to grow spiritually. Okay, shout-outs mean audience participation. Let me set this here. All right, so so let's say I'm a novice, and I'm like, I'm going to grow spiritually. What do I need to do to grow spiritually? So that in 2020, I'm way ahead of where I am in 2019. Can you always growth? So I'm going to kind of walk this direction. That is here from our youth. I love you guys. I appreciate your faithfulness. And you are a youth group just like we were that started here. So tell me, I'm a new kid on the block. I don't know diddly squat. How am I going to grow spiritually? Michael, anything I could do? <laughs> I saw your eyes light up, and I saw you look at me, and then I saw you look that way. Okay. I could read my Bible, right? I could read my Bible. Yay. Touche. I could read it every day, right? That's awesome. Anything else I could do to grow? That's, that is, if I do nothing else, I've done something really important. Yes. Seek out a spiritual leader. Seek out a spiritual leader. Good one, Liz. I can, I can seek out somebody, and that's an awesome one that can mentor me along. Huge. Okay, so I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to have a, a spiritual leader that's going to help me. Anything else? 
Where are you going to go? I'm going to go to church. Yes, I'm going to come, and you can depend on me, man. I am going to be in church. And I want to give you a key with that, because I often don't see it, and I'm not picking on this group. I look around, I don't see it. I write notes. You know what? I teach. I teach basic life. You know, it's human growth and development. And I look out, I provide notes. All I have to do is fill in the blank so they can keep up because we've got life, we've got birth to death in 15 weeks. It's pretty fast. So we, we have to just fill in the blanks to keep up. You know, I look up and I see people filling in blanks and I see people sitting there. And then I see people fall asleep. Yeah? Guess who does better on tests? The note takers. And honestly, if they never looked at those notes another day in their life, they wrote it down, and there's something about memory and, and writing. So take notes, or else at the end of a sermon, you go out the door and say, that was a really good sermon. And somebody say, what was it about? Well, it was a good sermon. <laughs> yeah. So we go to church, we take notes, we read our Bible, read my Bible, pray every day. And I'll grow, 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 right? So just a deep thought. I read my Bible. This is what we teach our little pumpkins, and they, they get really little, and then they keep getting bigger, you know? I read my Bible, pray every day. That's really, really key. We read, we pray. Going to take it a little bit further. We don't just read it. We memorize it. We memorize it. We meditate it. We, and meditate is just thinking about it later. And I really appreciate the, um, the Bible study we're going through on, online, the YouTube, or the U Bible. U version. U version. Thank you, Pastor. Because it has us read, and I'm reading it at 5 in the morning or shortly thereafter, where I'm really kind of, <laughs> you know, and you're reading it, <laughs> and you're going, oh, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And you're going through the five readings. The last one takes you to a link that says, and share what you learned. Right. It has changed my reading because <laughs> I can read the whole thing and think I'm paying attention. At the end, it's like, right. well, I guess I better go back and look. Yeah. So, yeah, read it, and now I'm sharing. So, I mean, honestly, Proverbs has been my every day. It's been, wow. So we're reading it. We're meditating on it. We're memorizing the word. We're, we're spending time in prayer. We've got a mentor. I'm going to give you two others that can be really, really important. Read good books. Yeah. Yeah. Read. Read good authors that, that will help explain things. I mean, the world opened up to me when I started reading Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland. Gloria Copeland, I'll add to that, Jerry Seville, Jesse Duplantis, um, John Ortberg, right. John Bevere, um, Batterson, Mark Batterson, yeah, yeah. The Circle Maker. I mean, read books that build your faith. Yeah. And some can say, well, I'm not a good reader. That's all right, read them slow. It'll stick with you more. It really will. I'm a fast reader, which means I have to go back and read it again because zoom. But, but read good books. Books will stick with us. The other thing is um, in the olden days, they called it listening to tapes. And then they jumped it to listening to CDs. Get some podcasts. Mark and I are listening to Keith Moore two or three times, I mean, different, two or three different um, um, sermons, yeah. sometimes a day. Right. 
And it's getting in there, and it's getting in there. And when, when the squeeze comes, it says, oh, this is not going to work out. It's in there. Yes. And the word comes out. So get yourself in the word. Get yourself in the word. So we're going to grow spiritually with all of those things. One book I'm reading right now, Kathy, Dill loaned me. It's called Your Spectacular Mind by Dave Williams. Dave was a speaker here. And um, one little part I want you to hear because it's really good. All of it's really good, but I'm not going to read the whole book, okay? When you dwell on God's word, the truth goes into, the, into your consciousness and the subconscious parts of your brain. Yes. You ingest the truth. The truth becomes part of you. If you know the truth but you don't dwell on it, you'll have a weak root system. And be like the seeds in the Jesus parable of the sower. Some fell on stony grounds where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. You need to live in the word of God, return to it every day, think about it, ponder it, meditate upon it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal its deepest meanings to you. When you do that, it becomes part of the very fabric of your being. You will have intimate knowledge of God's word. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So if we want to grow spiritually, we're back to the consistency. At one point, we were, we'd been getting up at 5.30 every morning, and Mark said, you know, we're not spending enough time with the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, what could we do? Well, let's get up at 5. That was not my suggestion. <laughs> and I'm like, well... <laughs> I guess we could, you know, and, and, we, and we did, and it's been a blessing. And, and we spend time there. I also need to return back to it later in the day when my, I'm kind of more awake. But, yeah, but we spend time in the Word, and we do it every day, and we pray every day, and we listen every day, and we're, in, we're listening to someone speaking to us every day, and we're reading books as often as we can. I'm in the season right now. It's very difficult to read anything that's not a paper that needs correction or something. But, but listening. Other one, get in a group. Yes. This group came, this church came from a group just like yours, only with not as good leadership. We didn't know anything, okay? We were saved, we knew how to get saved. They got saved, and then they started asking every question in the world. And we were trying to figure out the answer to every question in the world. So we started to go to every, every meeting, any church they had a sign up saying, we're having a special meeting, we went to that. And we learned and we grew and we learned and we grew and, and you know, we, 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 ended, we started meeting, you know, we were in houses and then we were at Rathbone Hall and we were learning and we were growing and then um, in a Bible study I taught something a lot like this. And the kind of numbers went down for a little bit right. because it was believing that God wants us blessed Come on. and God wants to prosper us and that was not received. So it got kind of interesting. But I want us to really, so I, if we, all, of our goal, all of our goals that we have, financial goals, spiritual goals, family goals, I want a better marriage. If we want a better marriage, first point, what does that look like? Right. Are you saying you want different meals on the table? That's going to, might be better, better marriage for one member of the marriage, not the other. Right. The other person may say better marriage looks like this. Somebody talks to me. Right. 
Somebody buys me the things they used to buy me when we were dating. Right. Somebody, you know, those kinds of things. A lot of people are courted, and then they get married, and the courtship ends. Come on. Women are romances. Every, almost every woman I know is a romantic somewhere. That just being, have that partner bless them yeah. is important. So as a couple, this one you really, really need to do. And one thing that's always made our marriage strong is we've set our goals together. I mean, Mark writes the farm goals. I don't write the farm goals, but I agree with them. And he explains them to me. And sometimes I have enough knowledge to tweak them. <laughs> Lots of times I don't. And I say, yeah, that sounds good to me. But sometimes it's like, you know, I, what about, and I say something that's intelligent. Now I'm done on that, not often. But yeah, and we tweak them and we make them together. Yeah. Our marriage goals, what do we want our marriage to look like? What's right. that going to be? We make those together. And then we think about, well, what are the action steps? We're going to pray for each other. We're going to believe God for each other. You know, if you're, even if you're not feeling warm and fuzzy towards somebody and you pray for them, yeah. God works in our heart. So, so we do those things together. Okay, the other thing, so we write out our goals. We get our action steps. And this is the part that I really think is hard, but I think it's really, really important. Find out what God's word says about your goals. If you can't find God's word, if you can't find your goals inside God's word, maybe even you want to change your goals. You know, if we think about we want a strong marriage, we should be able to find some tips in the Bible, some verses in the Bible to stand on. If we want our business to grow, there should be verses we can stand on. If we want our kids to do well, there are verses. So we think our goals, find what the Bible says about that, write it out, and confess it. I heard that a long, long time ago, and I did it. I didn't even think about it. And Kenneth Copeland said to do it. I said, okay. So I did it. But there's a reason why. First, um, Jesus is the high priest over our confession. That's Hebrews 3.1. If we don't confess anything, don't give him a lot to be a high priest over. High priest over our confession. And so we want to be saying things that are good, first of all. We're not going to be saying gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? Right. So we're going to be, we're going to have a, we're going to, if we write out what his word says and we confess it, Jesus is high priest over our confession. The word also says in Jeremiah 1.12, God watches over his word to perform it. So if I'm confessing God's word, Jesus is high priest over it, I'm confessing God's word, and he watches over that to perform it. There is power in 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 praying and believing the word and confessing it. So I want the Bible is a lot, a lot of things. The Bible, if we look at it and we read it, there are a lot of people read this as the history book. And it is. It's a really good history book. It tells the history of the Jewish race. We can look from Abraham all the way up to David, then all the way to Jesus. It gives us all. It's a history book. But that's not all it is. Some people, that's all it is, but to us, we know there's more. We know it's a book of truth. We know it's a book we can live by. We know it's a love story. It's a love story. It's a love story between a father and his children. It's a love story between God and his church. If you don't believe that, read Song of Solomon, which very symbolically talks of that. 
It's really spicy, so it's a fun one to read. Okay, the Bible is a lot of things. Other things it is, this book tells me everything that's mine. Everything. Tells me everything that's mine. It also tells me some things that are not mine. Some people will say, you know, everything in that word is for me. Not the curses. Curses are not for me or my family. But everything in this book is mine. It's a legal document. It's called a covenant, right? We don't speak covenant very often. We, if we think covenant, the word is, means contract, treaty, pledge, promise, bond, or legal contract that's binding until death. Now, we, in our, our society, we have things called lawyers, and many of them are godly and wonderful. But sometimes people get into contracts, and then because the contract is no longer favorable to them, they'll go to a lawyer to try and get out of the contract. A covenant you don't get out of. God cut covenant with Abraham and declared things, and God will not will not ever change that. It stays there. It stays there. And we used to sing a song, I'm of the seed of Abraham. His blessing rests on me. If we're in the family of God, we're the seed of Abraham, and that blessing is there. It's, it's like we say, you know, there's the New Testament, there's the Old Testament. I wanted you to hear a legal term. This is my last will and testament. Okay, you know where that comes from covenant this is many of us sitting in this room have a will and it starts with this is my you know being in my right mind you know we all have to attest to that this is my last will and in our will it defines some things it says kind of everything we have would go to our two sons and it spells it out that way this is everything I have, yes. and it tells who it goes to. Anybody in here named whosoever? Okay, that's me, whosoever. Amen. The whosoevers are the ones that inherit, yes. right? Yes. So it's a legal document telling me what my father gave to me. Okay, so tell me, I've been named in a will. I was. I was named in a will for me to inherit what was written in that document that was to be mine. What had to happen? They had to die. Yeah. It, it, that will meant absolutely nothing in my life as long as they were alive. And honestly, I really didn't think I would inherit much because they, they lived a long time. They were in a nursing home, and you know, it eats money, and, and, I, I really, and it really didn't matter to me anyway. It wasn't something I was like, oh my goodness, someday I'll get, didn't care. But then they did die. And what was written in that document was coming my direction. So one, they had to die. Two, I had to do something. I had to receive. I had to sign my name on some papers, and anybody ever heard of a contested will? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, guess what? That's what that one was. So there were a lot of other steps in there. It was a contested will by somebody saying, oh, no, 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 it's not rightfully hers. It should come to us. And that was just not a pleasant experience to walk through. But I want you to know one thing about this will. It's a contested will. We've got somebody that comes along saying, oh, no, 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 it is not yours. We have somebody that um, we're all pretty familiar with. They are called the accuser of the brethren. And he says, it's not yours. Not now, not ever, never is going to be yours. It, and, and those are the things that he will say, usually in the quiet of the night. Did God really say? Right. That's the original lie. It came to a woman that was standing in a garden. Did God really say? That's excellent. Don't answer that. Just leave it alone. Eve would have been a whole lot better off, as would we, had she not answered that question. Because it brings confusion. Well, God would never say that. God, you know, did God really say? Or as he said to Jesus in the garden, you know. You can make these stones bread, you know. He, or he would start saying things that were half scriptures. Cast yourself down, hasn't he given your, his angels charge over you? And Jesus knew scripture well enough. And let me tell you the one that the church has bought. If I can see it. I'm looking through my bifocals. They're working pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Blessed are the poor. Do you know the rest of the verse? In spirit. It doesn't say blessed are the poor, so therefore you need to be poor. So it's blessed are the poor in spirit, which means the people that are not proud. The poor in spirit know who God is, and they come to God. The original sin was pride, so of course blessed are the poor in spirit. But, but the church has been fed, blessed are the poor. Stay in poverty. You'll be blessed. What about not being able to take care of your children is a blessing? What being able not to be, you know, get them to doctors or do what we need to do is a blessing? It's not a blessing. It's a curse. In Deuteronomy 28, it's the curse. So, yeah. So, the enemy says to us, our accuser will say to us, God really didn't leave you anything. God didn't say that. That's not what it means. If you don't buy that one, the second lie is, yeah, you're right. He said that. But he didn't mean you. Right. I mean, look at you. You're a mess. You're a wreck. There's no way God would ever mean somebody like you because, you know, you're, you're not worthy. You're unrighteous. Come on. Your past is too bad. You're not smart enough. You're a female for Pete's sakes. Right. You're too old. You missed it. You're too young. Not yet. You're too black. You're too white. You're too brown. And if you agree with any of that, you are toast. You've just lost your inheritance. Right. It's just conceding to the enemy. You're right, it isn't mine. You can have it. Well, that's what the enemy's trying to do, is get that out of our hands. Um, and if we think of all these, no, I'm not worthy on my own, but I have a Savior who died for me. And he, by the way, is the one that put the will into effect. Yeah. We've had a death. That's why the will's in effect. So I might not be worthy, but he is. You're unrighteous, 
I'm the righteousness of Christ, of God in Christ. Thank you very much. That's what the word says about me. My past is too bad. Yep. But my past is hidden in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things. All the old stuff. It's all passed away. I'm brand new. Don't have a past anymore. It's like the witness protection thing, you know. Got a new identity here. The past is gone. You're not smart enough. I have the mind of Christ, thank you very much. And he's the one that, that beat you up pretty bad on Calvary. So I, I'm not smart enough, but I have this mind of Christ, and it's smart enough. I'm female, yep, and in Christ there's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. If we're too old or we're too young, our old men dream dreams, our old, our young men see visions or vice versa. I always say it, you know, one way or the other. But anyway, he's using us, young, old, rich, poor. He uses us. There's nobody that doesn't fit this as long as we're under the blood. So we don't buy into that. If we think about it, it looks a whole lot like a courtroom, this whole setting. We have, we're being accused by a prosecuting attorney whose name is the accuser of the brethren. On our side, there's Jesus Christ, the righteous, that's our advocate, so he's our defense attorney. If we look at, at the judge, it's our father who also wrote us in the will. Right. So as long as we say what the word says and we're not silly and we stand up and say, oh, you're right. I'm not righteous. I, oh, you're right. I don't belong here. You're right. I don't inherit anything. If you say that, it's ridiculous because the enemy knows that you win if we just enforce it. So if we look to the word and we find the scriptures to stand on and we write them and we confess them, it's powerful. And honestly, we're not trying, we do that because not because we're trying to wrestle things out of the hand of God. God's the one that wrote it. I mean, my kids aren't going to have to try and wrestle things because it's like, well, well, Mark and I didn't leave them stuff. I mean, it's got their name on it, for Pete's sakes. So they're not, we're not trying to wrestle things out of God's hands. God wants to bless us. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. He says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I mean, his, his, his delight to bless us, as Jeff said, so we can get it into the kingdom so we can be, you know, and honestly, I want my kids to give into the kingdom, but I want them to have their, what they need in their life. God's a good father. He's the same way. I want my kids to have things they enjoy also. So, and the other thing, we're not trying to convince God. I want you to think about what's God's name. If we go back into Hebrew, his name is Jehovah, right? I am the Lord, Jireh, your provider. For God not to provide, he has to change his name. He has to change his name to Jehovah Stingy. But he's not Jehovah Stingy. He's Jehovah, your provider, Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord, your healer. If we're, if we're dealing with, with, we just don't have any peace, I'm Jehovah, your Lord, peace, Jehovah Shalom. All these names, studying the, word, the names of God are just like, oh, so did Jireh have to change his name to say no? And also, I don't really think we're trying to beat up the devil. He already knows that, that we really win. He knows. He knows the word better than many of us. He just tries to trick us out of it. The one that needs convincing 
is the one that when you go in the bathroom in the morning and you pick up your toothbrush and you go to brush your teeth and you're looking there, you know, that's the one. That's the one. We've got to get it. We've got to get it. And we don't just have to say, you know, I agree with that. We've got to know it. Because there's a lot of stuff we agree with. But we don't know it. You know, like they, one of the examples I've read of that is like if the guy was walking across Niagara Falls on the, you know, walking across the, the wire, and, and you, could, you could agree, you know, he's going to be okay. But when he says, you want to get on my back and ride piggyback, that's like the difference between agreeing and knowing. Right. I've been to Niagara Falls. There's no way I'm getting on somebody's back to do that because I don't trust him. I trust God, and he didn't tell me to do that. But, yeah. So, but what, agreeing, yeah, I believe, I, I believe I'm blessed. Where does it say that? What does it say? Get it down so that it gets down here. Yes. Because when we do that, we put spiritual law into play. Spiritual law, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Anybody know what it says? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? If we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus will be saved. It's a spiritual law that applies to salvation. It also applies to other things. If I believe it and I confess it, and sometimes we start out by just flat out confessing it. We confess it, we confess it, we confess it. We hear ourselves confess it. Eventually, we talk ourselves into believing it. And now we're dangerous because we're believing it, we're confessing it, it's coming out of our mouth, and we're, and we're putting it into play. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, I want us to think about spiritual law. Laws don't change, right? Right. We have gravity. Let's take gravity for instance. Does gravity, is it selective who it works for? No, gravity is not selective. So we've got a roofing project going on, pretending. We're all up on the roof, and we're all trying to fix the roof. If, if pastor's up there, and he goofs, which he's not going to, and he steps a foot off, and he falls, is, he gonna, is God going to say, oh, that's pastor. He's such a good guy. You know, he's just, he's not going to fall. Is that going to happen? No. He's going down. Sorry, Pastor, we love you. If Sharon steps off the roof, you know, she's going, she's going down. Yeah, she, if we think about it, if you're a little kid and you go off the roof, going down. If you're old and you go off the roof, if you're white, if you're black, Hispanic, Male, female, any, any denominator we can think about, gravity is gravity. It's holding us on the earth, which is a good thing. You know, if, honestly, if God was going to look at anybody and say, well, gravity's not going to work, wouldn't it have been great if he'd done that to Hitler? Yeah. That, you know, I'm going to hit this button and he's just going to fly off the earth. But gravity is a, is a physical law and gravity is gravity. And as long as we're, and it took a lot to get the rocket ship off the planet because gravity was trying to bring it back. Gravity is gravity. Spiritual law is spiritual law, okay? Whether Suzanne puts it into play, whether Mark puts it into play, whether, whether you're in the youth group and you got saved yesterday and you put it into play, spiritual law is spiritual law. It's going to work. Just like gravity doesn't say, that's a baby. They got to be here nine months on this earth. They got to learn to walk before gravity's going to work. 
kind of with babies, it'd be nice if they got a bye for a while because they always are falling down and it's like, oh my gosh, at least they're short, so they hit the ground not quite as hard as, as big people. When we hit the ground, it's not good. Okay. So it worked. We're putting death and life is in the power of the tongue. We're, we're putting, it, we, are, we are doing the doing. And I want to read you a couple of examples of what this might look like. If I can get to the right example. Aha, here it is. Okay, so I have this book, and I honestly intended to write a lot more of these out. I wrote out some. But this one really was about the farm. Because any time you take your savings and you plant it in the earth, it's kind of a risk. And this was, um, Mark and I wrote, wrote this one, and, it's a, and it was according to Deuteronomy 28.1, blessed will be the fruit of your ground, 28 Deuteronomy 28.8, the Lord shall command the blessings upon thy, thee in the storehouse and in all that you setteth your hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God has given thee. Leviticus 26.3-5, if you walk in my statutes and if you keep my commandments and do them, then I'll give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees shall yield her fruit. And the threshing, this is cool, the threshing, like the harvest time, will reach onto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach onto the sowing, and you'll eat your bread until you're full, and you'll dwell in your land in safety. That's an abundant harvest. Okay, Deuteronomy 11:13, And it will come to pass, if you hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God, serve him with your whole heart and soul. I'll give you the rain on your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, we grow a lot of corn, and thy wine and thy oil, and I'll send grass into thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. And I went through some more, and at the end I summarized it and said, Mark and I decree and declare that this was the one for 2017, that in 2017 this will be a good year on the farm. There'll be rain in due season, harvest will be amazing as the land brings forth a hundredfold abundance. And since our storehouses are blessed, we will sell at highs and make good profit on our goods. Mark and Ben have wisdom and knowledge of witty inventions to save on inputs. Everything that Mark and Ben put their hands to will prosper. Mark and Ben have favor and are able to buy land that comes up for a fair price. And all our employees are blessed and protected as they work for us in Jesus is Lord over Chaffin Farms. So that was our confession that we believed and confessed that year, and God was faithful. They're not always about your work. We also had our, our kids, Josh and Wendy, at, I had a hard time conceiving our first little grandson, Asher. And after Asher came along, they were praying and, and wanting to have more children and, and not being successful. So we agreed with them in prayer, and we wrote this out. Josh and Wendy are, are the joyful parents of children, not child, children. According to Deuteronomy 28.4, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Josh and Wendy's children, Asher and his siblings are blessed. Didn't know their names were going to be Titus and Zeke. Psalms 127.3-5, low children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of mighty men, so are children of thy youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, and they shall speak with the enemies at the gate. We thank you and we praise you that Josh and Wendy's children, which are their heritage or their, are their portion of the Lord, and they will have their quiver full of them. 
Psalms 128.3, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by thy side of thy house, and thy children like olive plants around the table. So Wendy is fruitful, can get pregnant and bear children, and their children will gather around the table. Deuteronomy 28.11, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground. Josh and Wendy prosper in all things and will be rich with children. So, you know, we, we claim that and we read it and believe we have, we have stopped doing that now that they have Ash, Titus and Zeke because they really are, are satisfied with it. But you think about the things you're believing for. What does, if you're going to believe for them, what exactly are we believing and what does God say? And so we believe it, we write it out, we confess it. You don't have to confess it every day, but confess it enough so that it's there. And then we believe for God to act. And we don't tell him how to do that. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. We're believing for God to act, and this is what it's going to be. You know, he's going to bring Isaac home this way. And, it's, you know, we get it all in our head, and probably that's not what God's going to do. But we believe God. We don't, we don't get in faith, in our faith or faith in our confession. It says have faith in God. And just to kind of an example of how that um, <laughs> worked in our life, God really will figure out how to do it. Back in the early days of this ministry, just prior to moving into our first sanctuary, we as a body of young men and women, many still in high school, with some parents, were building the dome that's on the corner of Tyler and Barry. And we were paying bills. We were doing it by cash, but we also had, you know, we had some things coming up that we had a concert was the first thing that we had. We had Lania con Trio come in, and we had that set when it was going to be, and we ordered chairs in faith because we didn't have money to pay for the chairs. Okay? And that was really good. And then it was the chairs were manufactured, and it was time to go pick up the chairs, which meant send a check or take said check with you. We were treasurers. There was not money to pay for the, check, for the chairs. And at the point in time, um, I had just quit my job, and we were pregnant for, for Ben, and I was going to be staying home mom. And working Head Start, in those days, you were just above minimum wage as a teacher. And with that, and with Mark starting farming, you know, I've been able to put aside a certain amount of money. I think it was $1,800. i am not sure. It was something like that. It wasn't a massive sum by any means. Guess how much the chairs were? It was exactly what I had, which, you know, I hadn't even put the two together. But I didn't need to because somebody else did. You know, I, I'm praying, and, and I'm praying. I'm praying for the money for the chairs. I'm treasurers. I mean, Carrie carries this church a lot in prayer because she knows exactly the bills that have come in and what we need. And honestly, it's heavy load. And Carrie's carried that for a long time. But at that point, we were carrying that. And so I'm praying, you know, about the 1800 or 1200 or whatever it was. And the Lord said, write the check. Me, right. write the check. And I said, that's all I got. And he said, that's all I ask. Right. <laughs> like, well, that's a good point, you know. And so we're having this discussion. And I'm like, well, you know, I put that aside so when I'm not working and the baby comes, we can get things that we need. I'll take care of it. 
okay. You know, and I, before I said okay, I went to Mark, being submissive. Part of me hoping he said no. <laughs> so I went to Mark and I said, okay, I, and I, I don't, do you remember this? You may not even remember though. I went to him and I said, okay, you know, we gotta write, we gotta come up with the money for the chairs. I really feel like God's telling me to write the check out of our, our personal checkbook. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. And so I, I, we wrote the check, and then I remember, at first I just gave it knowing God was going to take care of it. But then I said, oh, yeah, I got baby showers coming. God is going to meet my needs through the baby showers. I had three baby showers. You would think you would get a lot of baby clothes in baby showers. I mean, isn't that what we, you know. My mom gave me the height chair. We had baby showers. I had one shower. I got all blankets. Blankets. <laughs> I had one baby shower. I don't remember the second one. I mean, I had another really, you know, we didn't, I never got clothes. Third baby shower, I'm thinking, surely, Lord, this is the one we'll get clothes for this baby. Teddy bears. <laughs> I got big teddy bears, little teddy bears, teddy bears. And I said to the Lord, apparently this baby is going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. <laughs> and, and then it was like, okay, it was good enough for Jesus. My baby can be in swaddling clothes. When the baby was born, I mean, people brought teddy bears saying, we knew you'd have everything. Yes, thank you very much. We had nothing, you know. And, and then when Ben was born, people came out of the woodwork with clothes. You know, God bless it. It wasn't how I expected. We don't have to give God a plan. You know what? He figured out the universe. Perhaps he can figure out that thing that we're believing for. And just an example of how this really works and how we can play it out is we can take God's word. We don't have to understand how. We just need, our job is to believe it. When Mark and I were first married, we lived in a house with our front porch was really not so good. His mom said, it's winter now. When it's summer, I'm going to build you a front porch. It'll have steps that you won't fall down. I said, good. We didn't have to, we, we thanked her for it. And every now and then throughout the winter, when the steps were icy, we say, oh, Mom, I sure appreciate that you're going to do that. We, we, we had a word from her. Right. We have a sure word from a father. Right. We can thank him for it. Come on. She figured out how to build it. Yeah. She got it done. God does the same thing. We find his word. We stand on it. We believe it. We thank him for it. Amen. And then it gets done. Oh, God yeah. does it. God is faithful. So your homework is if you haven't figured out your goals, find them, get them done. If you've got them done, get to the action steps. Find what it says in the word and believe on it. Let's pray. Lord, you're a great big God, and we, we appreciate that. We love you, Lord God. We thank you that your word is true. It doesn't change. It's true today. It's true tomorrow. We thank you, Lord, you meet our needs. We thank you, Lord, you put a vision. You said for us to seek it out, and then you said to write it so we can run with it. And, Father, we want to run with that vision. We want to run into the things you have for us. Father, we want to be the people. When you said, I know the plans I have for you, we want to run into those plans. We want to do the things you want us to do and be the people you want us to be. We thank you, Lord God, that you meet our needs according to riches, whatever those needs are. And we thank you, Lord. I call each one blessed that came out on such a 
Michigan wintry day. And Father, I thank you that they'll go home and they'll be safe on the way home, Lord God, and, and you will remind them of those plans that have been within their heart and maybe buried a little bit. In Jesus' name, give you praise. Amen. I'm going to ask our people at Pray to come up front. If anybody has something you need to pray for, you need a word, you don't know where something is in the word or what the Bible says, we'd certainly be more than excited to help. And kids, you are more than welcome to come up and be prayers. Just so you know, Sharon does a one word for, for her year. She said the word of the year. I got my word for, of the year coming up and having one of the youth group pray for me. And they had a word for God from God for me and yeah. hit it right on the head. That's my awesome. word for the year is focus. Yeah. Thank you, Shayla, hearing from God to tell me focus. Appreciate it. Love you. So, yeah, we're dismissed. and we can. But those that would like prayer, come on up and we'll be glad to pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.